Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our reactions to the AP Men's Top 25 College Basketball Poll. So Jalen and I came up with three reactions each for the top 25 poll. So Jalen, what is your first reaction? Bro, I got to get into Texas Tech real quick because anybody who does not know, they need to know now that the podcast is a huge fan of Mac McClung, okay? Me and Ryan have been watching this dude since the Iverson Classic in high school. Sky walking through the dunk contest, goes to Georgetown, actually plays relatively well but I felt like the environment was a little bit wishy-washy in terms of being able to, you know, really create a legit basketball career uh, college-wise and as a potential pro product. And so far, he's came to Texas Tech, and those boys are playing. They had themselves a really nice week about a, uh, about a week ago where they got a really, really, really good win over Texas off of probably the cleanest – step back of the season so far from Mac McClung to ice that game 79 and 77. Now things have gotten a little dicey since when we first initially chose these teams. Uh, They lost to Baylor by eight recently. They lost to West Virginia by one point. I think the big thing to note, right. With um, Ryan is that in league play, they are hanging. They're legitimately hanging as the 10th team in the country right now. Um, I think the loss to Oklahoma State was telling uh, because that's a legitimate team with a legitimate number one overall pick at the helm in that game, uh, who, by the way, had 13-7-4 and and had three other guys score at least 15 points in the game, um, while Mac McClung was probably the only other person breathing with 21-3 and outside of Kyler Edwards, who had 18 in that game. So you see the distribution and help. And you also see the impact of having a guy of the caliber of Cade Cunningham who can facilitate the way he does. That was a telling loss, though, because it was only by five points. Um, Outside of that, I think that these two most recent losses against West Virginia and Baylor tell us a lot about how dangerous Texas Tech actually is in the Big 12 because they weren't blowouts. They didn't go up against Baylor, the number two team in the country, arguably the only other, you know, roadblock in the way of Gonzaga winning the chip this year and they didn't get blown out and West Virginia was a one possession game so I think Texas Tech is a dangerous team in the Big 12 right now Mac McClung is averaging 17 3 and 2 and he's shooting 44 percent from the floor and the most interesting part about his season so far is from the last two seasons going into this season he's improved his three-point shooting percentage each year and now he's closing in on 35 percent which Still isn't great, but he's shooting 81% from the free throw line, which shows you that his that his stroke is there and that he's slowly becoming more consistent. And I think that might be something where a hey, Ryan, we might have to we might have to cop a Mac McClung NBA jersey soon because he might be a second rounder the way he's playing. Jalen, I was waiting for the day that you would bring up <laughs> Mac McClung. I was hoping 
I was hoping that day would come, and it's finally here. I think ever since he transferred to Texas Tech, his play has gotten significantly better. And he's on a much better team in Texas Tech. I think this team in Texas Tech is a team that can really contend this year in the Big 12. And we could end up seeing this team in the Final Four. They stayed competitive in a lot of their games this year. And this is a team where I feel like they can make a really strong run in the Big 12 tournament, maybe make it to the semifinals, maybe win the entire thing. But this is a team in Texas Tech that's dangerous, and especially with Mac McClung playing the way that he's been playing. We, we need to watch out for Texas Tech. But speaking of Texas Tech, a team that they, they lost to, Oklahoma State. Jalen, when is Oklahoma State going to get their respect? They beat number 12 Texas Tech, like you mentioned. They beat number nine Kansas. I understand that they won't be able to compete in the March Madness tournament. But they have a National Player of the Year candidate in Cade Cunningham, possibly the number one pick in the NBA draft. He's averaging close to 18 points a game, six rebounds, close to four assists, a steal, and a block a game. Isaac Likely is averaging 11.5 points a game, close to eight rebounds. They have a couple of guys who are are, uh, averaging close to 10 points a game in Avery Anderson and Rondell Walker, who stepped up in the past two games, especially with Cade Cunningham out. Because Kate Cunningham has been out for the couple for the past couple games, they lost uh, they lost to Baylor, and they beat Iowa State. I understand what may be holding them back are the ranked losses to. I understand what may be holding them back are ranked losses to Texas and West Virginia, but they lost to them by three points each, and then they lost to TCU, who at the time were nine and five. And like I said, they also they also lost to Baylor. And that game, Cade Cunningham didn't play. So that's a huge loss for Oklahoma State for to not have Cade Cunningham in a big game against the second best team in the country. I just hope that when the next power rankings come out, I hope Oklahoma State is at least considered in the top 25. Now, you know, we've done this HTP campaign thing for Oklahoma State to be in the not only the AP Top 25, but also the March Madness tournament. This has been one of those things that every single time that we do a looking around the uh, around the uh, looking around the landscape, we always tend to bring Oklahoma State up. And I don't know if it's because we're so attracted to Kate Cunningham as a prospect. I don't know if it's just because this team in the Big 12 is legit. I agree with you that I think their wins are significant. Um, I think their losses are as well. But my biggest thing, Ryan, unfortunately, I think the biggest the bigger story of this is that they're not in the AP 25 because of their NCAA ineligibility in terms of the tournament. Because, I mean, other than that, I don't think there's anybody that's going to argue against this team being you know, in that area, Illinois, a team that we're going to talk about a little bit later is a kind of one in a similar skid, right? But they're still ranked, you know, at the bottom portion of the top 25 right now. So it's one of those things where when you take a look at their situation in particular, I think that if this was a normal year where OK State wasn't 
under the allegations that they're under and under the, the the litigation specifically in terms of the NCAA tournament, I think that we would have seen this team ranked in the top 10 for most of the year earlier on. And some of these losses maybe might've tailed them off, but I still think they would be somewhere around the top 15 to top 20 range. And I still think that they fall in that category. So if we're just projecting, I still feel as though that's where they would be the bottom of the top 25. But unfortunately, I don't know if we're going to see them on it because of that ineligibility just because you're almost essentially giving an automatic seed spot to a team that doesn't have a spot in the tournament. Um, but they're a dangerous team nonetheless. And I think the biggest thing you touched on is that even guys like Caleb Boone too, for this team have stepped up really well in Kay Cunningham's ab absence. And I think that's probably even more important is that they have guys playing big roles, whether they have the number one overall pick on their team or not. And I think that's really special. And that's the interesting thing because guys like Caleb Boone have stepped up in Kate Cunningham's absence. I mean, he had a big game against Baylor and he had another big game against Iowa State. So I feel like in the time that Kate Cunningham will be out, I think guys like Caleb Boone really have to continue to step up and help Oklahoma wins or help Oklahoma State win some games. Jalen, what is your second reaction to the AP top 25 poll? Man, it's this team in Alabama, and I might say something reckless when I'm talking about this team because I like this team a lot. First of all, let's talk about the league wins. Let's talk about the dubs in the SEC. Kick things off, whoop, Mississippi, 82-64. Put, uh, put foots on Tennessee, 71-63. Put foots on Florida, 86-71. Close edge out win 94 to 90 uh, against Auburn. That was a game in which the homie Sharif Cooper, um, I think that was about it. I think it might have been his second or third game back from whatever you want to call his <laughs> initial suspension or inability to play for his team earlier in the year, which is still ridiculous for whatever. But in that game, he had 26, four and nine. Uh, but Alabama was able to hold things off and win by four points. Then you go down the list. Kentucky blown out by 20, 85 to 65. Arkansas, 90 to 59. And then the LSU game, the LSU game is, is what made me pick this team because this does not make any sense at all. John Petty, 24 points. Sounds about normal for a guy who's an NBA prospect. Joshua Primo, 22 points. Javon Quinterly, 22 points. Primo and Quinterly both combined for 44 points, and they both only played 19 minutes in this game. What else stood out to me is the fact that this team shot a school-high 23 of 43 from the three-point line. They beat LSU, who you know I love that boy Cam Thomas so much. They beat the Cam Thomas-led LSU team 105 to 75. Now, right, I need to put that in perspective because this is league play we're talking about. They are playing in the SEC. This team has not scored 100 points all year, and they decided 
they're going to put foots on LSU and put up 105. Ryan, my real question is, is, is this the Alabama basketball team or the Alabama football team? Because they're playing out of their mind right now. And it seems like regardless of which team it is, they're not coming out of the SEC anything less than at the top of the, at the top of the conference. And of course, I mean, this team right now, man, they've got a really good shot to keep shooting up the line and they're ninth right now. I think they could be more dangerous down the line. They've got a game coming up against Oklahoma this weekend, and then they've got some more league play, another game against LSU, Missouri. They get South Carolina, Georgia, Texas A&M. They got some, they got some, some pretty good games coming up. Ryan, I'm going to say something reckless right off the rip because I think that Alabama is the truth. I'm picking Alabama to win the championship this year. Not the SEC, bro. I think this is the team right here that if anybody had, if any team had the capability of knocking Gonzaga out, I think first team people would think is maybe Baylor. But I think that Alabama, and it depends on how the brackets line up, because Alabama could dodge Gonzaga all the way through and through and maybe only have to take out Baylor to get where they need to go, um, depending on the circumstances. Baylor and Gonzaga might take each other out on the way. It depends on how the brackets seat out. But Alabama has a serious chance with the kind of scoring threats that they have across the board especially with a guy in uh, Javon Cornerly coming along uh, pretty good. Um, obviously, Petty, obviously, uh, Primo, Jaden Shackleford's another guy for them that's playing really well within his, like, 3 and D role in the backcourt as part of, like, a three-guard lineup that they got rolling up. Sometimes they run out with four of them jokers. Call me reckless, bro, but I think Alabama is the truth. And I think they're legitimately in a spot where final four might be the minimum if they keep playing like this. So national championship for Alabama. Sounds awfully familiar. (laughs) Except except it was the football team that won earlier this year. Yes, sir. But the basketball team to win the national championship. Didn't think about it until you mentioned that, Jalen, but especially with the way that John Petty has been playing. I mean, he's he's an NBA prospect through and through. Agreed. I think I think he goes late first round, early second round. Maybe he maybe he um up, uplifts his stock in the NCAA tournament because there's there's no doubt in my mind that this team is going to the tournament this year. Of course. Now, winning it is the biggest question, and you, you've you already made your case why they should win it. I still feel like they have a chance to win it. I don't, I'm not all in yet that they're going to win. I, I believe that they're going to have to face some tough competition in the tournament this year, and it's going to come down to the play of the three guards, John Petty, Jaden Shackelford, and Javon Quinterly. I think Primo stepped up big time as well, though. Um, so we can't, we have to take that into account as well. But Alabama to win the national championship. <laughs> interesting, interesting. My second reaction is about UConn basketball. 
So UConn was ranked 23rd last uh, in last week in the top 25 polls, but they've lost two games in a row. And they have four guys averaging in the double digits in terms of points per game. One of them being James Booknight, who's been out um, due to injury, and he's averaging 20 points a game and five rebounds. He's an underrated contender for National Player of the Year. But because he's sidelined with injury, this is a huge loss for UConn. With that being said, I think UConn's been able to carry the load well, considering that last week they were ranked 23rd and they just dropped out of the rankings this time. I think they have a good chance to be able to bounce back and be ranked and, and be ranked again in the top 25. I feel like the load's going to have to be carried by guys like Tyrese Martin, who are averaging, who's averaging close to 12 points and seven rebounds a game, close to two steals. He's shooting over 40% from the field and from three. RJ Cole, I think, has to carry some of that load as well. He's averaging close to 11 points a game and just over a steal. He's been, play, he's been getting it done on both sides of the floor. And then guys like Isaiah Whaley and Tyler Pauley. Whaley's been shooting over 40% from the field and also 40% from three. And Tyler Pauly is shooting over 40% from the field. And he's been able to get to the line a lot. And when he gets to the line, he shoots free throws efficiently. He leads the team in free throw, in a free throw percentage. I think UConn is a talented team. And I think that this team can get a lot of wins once book night comes back. And I think that this team has been carrying the load well in his absence. So I think I'm going to pick up where you left off with book night in particular, because this is a guy that like, you know, when we brought up like certain standout players and stuff, this was the guy that I brought up next to Cam Thomas in terms of being an underrated scorer in the league um, in league play in particular, he's played really well. Um, the injury that's obviously the big hitter is, will he come back well enough to be able to really uplift this team? I think they still have a chance to rise up the polls. I unfortunately, right. He got hurt just before the game that would have really propelled them. You know what I mean? Just the other week, like you said beforehand, they were ranked just just very close <laughs> to outside the top of the 20 um top 25 but still i think it was around 22 23 and what really would have helped them obviously the st john's loss pretty rough but the creighton loss that's the one where i feel like that they that would have really helped elevate this yukon team had they been able to pull out that that's a game where james book Knight is missed because that's a big game that's that that could potentially elevate your team in the standings, not only within league play, obviously, but also, of course, in the AP 25, like you mentioned beforehand. I think that they still have a chance. It depends on his health, though. But they still got two cracks at Villanova um, throughout the rest of the season. They get St. John's again. They've got Seton Hall, I think, twice. Got Providence twice. Like, they have a chance to... I don't think with, without James Booknight, they can run the table. I don't want to start leaning into stuff that's extremely unrealistic because I don't think that they can legitimately win long stretches and really like, you know, just start racking up the wins without James Booknight at the helm. But I think that without him, I do think they can steer the ship. You didn't label off a uh, list off a couple of guys who I think are going to have to play a major part in that um Connecticut is a really interesting team man because I feel like if they get anywhere in the tournament 
um, in the NCAA tournament and they're a lower seed, they're going to be one of those low seeds that you kind of, you're going to say it's an upset depending on who they beat. But when you consider their overall talent across the board and you look at James Booknight as like a low 15 to 25 guy in the NBA draft, I feel like, I think the worst is like somewhere between 25 and 30. And then you throw on top of that, the fact that they have, um, an overall good roster defensively to a certain extent as well. I mean, they're, they're holding teams pretty well. I mean, their losses are, are, are pretty rough, but their wins, they're holding teams are like 60 or less. Um, it's, a, it's going to be a team where basically they, they're, they're going to be counted as underdogs, but I think that they're actually better than what their record says. And I think that UConn can rack up a lot of the wins that they need in order to rise up in the standings and possibly get ranked again. But I think it's all going to come down to how guys like Tyrese Martin, RJ Cole, Tyler Polly, and Isaiah Whaley play. And I think that if Booknight is able to come back, he could really elevate the stock of this team. Jalen, what's your third reaction to the AP top 25 poll? So... The last one has to be the one that I feel the most strongest, that feel the strongest about. And that one's Illinois. Um, I've brought this team up, what, probably twice this season so far, this NCAA season. And it's because I feel like I assume it was the truth. Um, he still doesn't have a first round grade on most people's mocks, which I find we'll talk about that when we talk about mock drafts some other time. But he's a guy who I feel like is a legitimate NBA prospect. I know he's in his third year, but he's played extremely well so far this year. 21, 6, and 5, shooting 49% from the floor, 38.5% from three, 81% from free throw line. I mean, he's averaging just under three turnovers a game. Granted, the assist-to-turnover ratio isn't great, but it's also not bad either. I don't understand this team, though. Three-point loss to Maryland. You know I love me some Maryland, but I, I, but, but I can't – I can't – no. Not when you have a national player of the year on your team. Six-point loss to Ohio State. Ohio State's legit. Don't get me wrong. 13th in the country right now for a reason. For a reason, EJ Liddell played his mind uh, – played out of his mind in that game, too. I think he had about 26 – yeah, 26 and 7 in that game. I think I think Ohio State's I think Ohio State's for real in the Big 10. Beating Penn State is not impressive. It's not impressive. Beating Penn State by 14 couple uh last week not impressive. Their best player their best player and Marion Jones Played like the best player. He had 20 points flat. 20 points, three, three rebounds, one assist. Played exactly like who he is. I mean, I don't understand, Ryan. Like, maybe you can explain it to me, but, like, Kofi Coburn's a guy who's, like, come on strong. In that in that Penn State game, he had 21 and, 21 and 12. Kofi is slowly – he's not a he, – he's still – he's still a – uh, a minus defender, which I think is one of the biggest things that's going to hit him in terms of trying to translate to the NBA. But he's still a double-double walking. He had 15 and 11 against Ohio State as well. Let's go to the Maryland game. 
that's another situation where walks around and he slides into 21 and 10. Like you have a walking double double and you have a national player of the year uh, finalist, I'll call him, in Ayodesumo on your team. And you're losing to like Maryland. Like, maybe you can explain to me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm looking at this team through rose-colored glasses because of the fact that I've been on this team from the beginning of the season. But are they as are they as legit as I think they are, or am I overrating them? I think Illinois is a legit team. They do have two le- legitimate players in. Ayo Desumu, who's averaging close to 22 points a game, and then Kofi Coburn, who's average, who's averaging a double-double for the season. I think my main question is, where's Adam Miller? Oh, man. That's, That's the other excellent question. Excellent question. Excellent because question. I see the statistics. Ayo Desumu is first in scoring. Kofi Coburn is second. And then there's this huge dip adam miller is averaging 9.6 points a game and he's shooting 40.5 percent from the field and just under 37 percent from three jalen my main question with you or my main question with illinois is that adam miller has not has not been the same player since the first three games of the season when we thought that he was going to be the compliment for Ayo Desumu in the backcourt. So Jalen, I'll turn it back over to you. Why do you believe Adam Miller has not performed to the level that he performed at in the first three games of the season? See, and that's tricky because see, the first thing you would normally say is with Ayo Desumu being a ball dominant guard, you say maybe it's not working within the flow of the system. He's playing out of position. Maybe he's more of an actual two than being led as a point. You know what I mean? But then, but then you look at what he does on the court as a facilitator, and you kind of wonder four assists against Penn State, not, not the craziest thing in the world. Um, you go to Ohio State, that's a game, seven assists. He goes 14 and seven, or uh, no assists in that game. Um, it's just one of the, I don't know. I think with him, it's tricky. Like he rebounds well at the guard position. He facilitates well. I think it's one of those things where you look at his assists and you say they don't really pop out, but if you watch the tape, he's a very hockey assist guy. I think that's why I was so quick to run to the stats is because it always seems like Adam Miller's making the pass to to hit the shot, but when you really go through the tape, it's one of those things where you almost feel that he's always the action before the action. Um I think the other thing is, bro, and this might be like a little unfair to him, but I think the Big 10 lights just got kind of bright. And I think that might have been one of those things that's really just how it got. I mean, think about it. NCA&T, Chicago State, Ohio. I mean, let's, let's, let's go back to the Ohio game. That's a perfect place to kind of make this entire, this entire thing come together. In the Ohio game, 
That's a game where he had 11 and two. Now, mind you, mind you, they still won the game in blowout fashion. But the game beforehand against Chicago State, 15 and two. Yeah, you say that's all right. Still pretty good, but not great. What is the game that Ryan is referring to that he's so that he's holding on to so close that he's saying, what the heck kind of drop off is this? Against NC State, basically to kick basically as one of the initial games to kick off the season. He had 28, 3 and 3. He and Ayu will combined for 56 points on a night. He has not been that CJ McCullum-esque backcourt partner since that day. That was the second game of the season. That was the second game of the season. Chicago State and Ohio, decent games. This is where it got ugly. They played Baylor. He had four points, two rebounds, and one assist. I think when Baylor played them early in the year like that, that was the freshman humbling that did more than just crumble confidence. Like, he has not really had a legit spark game since. And I can't explain it. You know, I was hype about this backcourt after the first couple of games when the season started. I didn't expect Adam Miller to be a 28-point-per-game scorer. I did not even expect him to be a 20-point-per-game scorer. But this doesn't make any sense. And I wish I could defend them, but that's that's why I have such a big takeaway with Illinois is because they have a significant skid from where they were to begin the year. And it has to do with stuff that I don't think we can really explain because they're a team that has all the tools, has two NBA level prospects on their team, legitimate coaching, and they've had legitimate games against Big Ten opponents where you could argue that if they pulled out them out or when they did pull them out, you could argue they were the best team, not only in one of the best teams, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country, a top 10 team in the country week in and week out. But right now, they just don't look like it. And as of late, they really haven't looked like it. And it's kind of concerning because I can't really put my finger on what one thing stands out the most. The reason why I posed that question was because since the three games to begin the season against NCA&T, Chicago State, and Ohio, Adam Miller has only had four double-digit performances this year, four four double-digit scoring performances. Other than that, two points in a three-point loss to Missouri – Zero points against number 19 Rutgers. Five points against Penn State. Zero points again against Indiana. Nine points against Maryland. And then nine points again to Penn State. You can't goose egg against you can't goose egg against conference competition, bro. I mean it's just it's just simple. Adam Miller might be the might be the missing link I'm talking about. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's the case. But the thing about it is, 
like you said beforehand, he's almost been like this all year, though. Yet Illinois has been in the mix for most of the season. That's the part that's so tricky, right? It's just the fact that it's like, I don't know. I Adam Miller is going to have to step up, but I don't know if that's, I don't know if this is the kind of stretch he wants to smoke for. They got Iowa next, Indiana, Wisconsin, then Michigan, Northwestern, Minnesota, who's still doing pretty well. And then to end the season off, their last two games are against, uh, yeah, against Wisconsin and Ohio State. Two teams they don't want no smoke with, low key. Now, I think this Iowa team, uh, this Iowa game will tell us a lot about what the rest of this season is going to look like for Illinois. But I'm not jumping off the bandwagon yet. I've been on this cart too long to just jump ship. But, man, Illinois, we got to turn things around ASAP. And I don't think it's Iowa's fault. I think there's, I think something needs to take place quick, fast, in, in a hurry. But that's what I'm saying about Adam Miller. That's why I'm asking because – you and I were so excited to see Ayudasumu and Adam Miller play because we thought they were the next backcourt. Mm-hmm. We thought were the we we thought they were the NCAA's version of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Correct. And then there's we have Damian Lillard as Ayudasumu going off almost every other game or almost every game, but then I then uh, Adam Miller. We just haven't seen him. And I hope that he can turn things around because if there if there were a time to turn things around, it would be now. We are in the last week of January. <laughs> February is up next, which means conference tournaments for some conferences. Maybe the Big Ten start there. Maybe the Big Ten would have theirs late February. But this is the time to get it going, and especially – against Iowa if he goes off against Iowa I, w- I would be impressed and I think that that would be the turnaround that he needs especially for Illinois because he would be that he would he would be a nice compliment he would be the he would be the, the type of player that we saw toward the bank be- toward the beginning of the season against Ohio NCANT and Chicago State my third reaction is about St. Louis basketball. I touched on this team in a prior episode, and I think that this team has a great chance of winning the Atlantic 10. Javante Perkins, I've said it before and I will say it again, is a certified bucket getter. He is averaging close to 18 points a game and is shooting over 50% from the field and 50% from three. Jordan Goodwin is averaging a double-double 16 points and 11 rebounds and two steals a game. In the past two games, he put up a double-double, or actually he's put up a double-double in five straight games, including a 23-point and 13-rebound game against UMKC. And yesterday, he put up 11 points and 11 rebounds to continue his streak of double-doubles against Dayton. And Gibson Jimerson's averaging 11 points a game, and he's shooting close to 51% from the field and 42.5% from three. I mentioned Dayton um, when I was talking about Jordan Goodwin. Their first game back was against Dayton, and it was a close loss. 
Jalen, this team hasn't played since December 23rd, which is a, a very long period, a, a very long month of not playing basketball. And I think that even though this was a close loss, the team is still continuing to get better. And I feel like they're going to climb the rankings as the season moves along, especially with how Javante Perkins and Jordan Goodwin are playing. Yeah, and I mean, I think the other thing to touch on, because I'm coming around on this team. Like You've brought this team up a couple of times off camera as well. Obviously, we had the episode initially um, in the early stages of the year. Um, I think they can kick things back up against Richmond. They get another shot at Dayton later on in the year. They got some, they got some, I wouldn't say gimmies, but I mean, they got Rhode Island in here, Fordham, LaSalle. They've got a couple of shots. I think VCU should be a really interesting game as well. Um, I think that's one of those matchups we should definitely keep our eye on. And obviously they end the season with George Mason. I think that's one of those where they can really pull it out and, you know, continue to elevate themselves. I don't know if this is a team that can move up the standings any more than they already have. I don't, I don't think they'll crack the top 20 anytime in this season, unless any of the, unless one of the other teams or a couple of the other teams have significant drop-offs. But I think that St. Louis is for real. I honestly think that, you know, maybe, maybe I'm going out on a limb on this. Maybe I haven't watched enough tape because, you know, I, I can't sit here and say that I'm some avid St. Louis basketball watcher or anything, but I have to be, I have to be honest with you. I think that Jordan Goodwin is a guy who's slowly playing himself into at least a two-way contract in the NBA. I mean, bare minimum as a guy who maybe goes undrafted, it gets picked up, but he may be a guy that like with the level of consistency that he's played with for the St. Louis team is playing himself into the second round, at least. I mean, look, I'm gonna put it like this. I write fantasy sports articles for Razzball, and one of my biggest things that I touch on is guys who get buckets and boards. It's like my favorite phrase because getting buckets and boards, I think, is one of the most pivotal things, not only in fantasy basketball, but in winning basketball games, right? Controlling controlling the boards, I think, is really important and winning the rebound battle, winning the rebound battle and winning the three-point uh, battle in an NBA game or even in a college game is the new formula to winning, winning basketball games. Um, and he does it at an extremely high level. I mean, he walks around and gets 10 rebounds at least, at least. Right. So, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where I think he's a legit, I, I think he's a legit guy in this, in this league. I think at six, three, that's probably the most interesting part about it is it's almost very like, Russell Westbrook-esque in terms of like the tenacity around the rim, the feel for just grabbing, grabbing the ball off the board and making, you know, a significant push and transition, different things like that. Like, I think what gets slept in all of this is like, we haven't said it out loud so far during this, this walkthrough or talk on uh, talking about St. Louis, but Jordan Goodwin's a guard, like a case, like anybody like didn't catch the drift of that yet. Like, this dude is legitimately a walking double-double with rebounds as a 6'3 guard as their leading, you know, as their leading guy next to Perkins. And let's touch on that for a second because Javante Perkins is another guy. He is another guy that because this is the HP HTP, and you know we like to get we like to get our uh give our bucket getter guys some love. Javante Perkins is another guy, I feel like, who is in a similar about as good one is in terms of the NBA draft. I think anybody who can score at all three levels um, 
on the court and play hard on defense, I think is a legitimate guy in the NBA. And I think that's something that's going to be really translatable moving forward. Scary part about him is the man's averaging 18 points on 52% from the floor. Like the dude's scary efficient. Like that's the part that's kind of terrifying shooting plus 50% from the floor and 50% flat from three. Like when you shoot that efficiently and you're that high volume of a score, uh, <laughs> Ryan, that, that usually screams NBA prospects. So this is another guy in Javante Perkins who I think is not on people's radar because he doesn't play for one of the blue blood schools or one of the bigger names uh, in college basketball, but he's going to be a, big reason why the Billikens are dangerous in the NCAA tournament because they're going to make noise. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what is your reaction to the AP Top 25 poll? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace. (laughs) 